Chapter Four of The Martyrs of Science. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Martyrs of Science by David Brewster. Life of Galileo, Chapter Four. Galileo treats his opponents with severity and sarcasm. He is aided by the sceptics of the day, the church party the most powerful. Galileo commences the attack and is answered by Cassini, a Dominican. Galileo's letter to the Grand Duchess of Tuscany, in support to the motion of the earth and the stability of the sun. Galileo visits Rome, is summoned before the Inquisition and renounces his opinions as heretical. The Inquisition denounces the Copernican system. Galileo has an audience of the Pope, but still maintains his opinions in private society. Proposes to find out the longitude at sea by means of Jupiter's satellites. His negotiation on the subject with the court of Spain. Its failure. He is unable to observe the three comets in 1618, but is involved in the controversy to which they gave rise. The current of Galileo's life had hitherto flowed in a smooth and unobstructed channel. He had now attained the highest objects of the earthly ambition. His discoveries had placed him at the head of the great men of the age. He possessed a professional income far beyond his wants, and even beyond his anticipations. And, what is still dearer to a philosopher, he enjoyed the most perfect leisure for carrying on and completing his discoveries. The opposition which these discoveries encountered was to him more a subject for triumph than for sorrow. Prejudice and ignorance were his only enemies, and if they succeeded for a while in harassing his march, it was only to lay foundation for fresh achievements. He who contends for truths which he has himself been permitted to discover may well sustain the conflict in which presumption and error are destined to fall. The public tribunal may neither be sufficiently pure nor enlightened to decide upon the issue, but he can appeal to posterity and reckon with the confidence on its sure decree. The ardour of Galileo's mind, the keenness of his temper, his clear perception of truth, and his inextinguishable love of it, combined to exasperate and prolong the hostility of his enemies. When argument failed to enlighten their judgment, and reason to dispel their prejudices, he wheeled against them his powerful weapons of ridicule and sarcasm, served out and his unrelenting warfare. He seems to have forgotten that Providence had withheld from his enemies those very gifts which he had so liberally received. He who is allowed to take the start of his species and penetrate the veil which conceals from common minds the mysteries of nature must not expect that the world will be patiently dragged at chariot wheels of his philosophy. Mind has its inertia as well as matter, and its progress to truth can only be ensured by the gradual and patient removal of obstructions which surround it. The boldness, may we not say the recklessness, with which Galileo insisted upon making proselytes of his enemies, served but to alienate them from the truth. Error thus assailed speedily entrenched themselves in general feelings, and become embalmed in the virulence of the passions. The various classes of his opponents marshalled themselves for their mutual defence. The Aristotelian professors, the temporising Jesuits, the political churchmen, 
and the timid but respectable body who at all times dread innovation whether it be in religion or in science entered into an alliance against the philosophical tyrant who threatened them with the penalties of knowledge the party of galileo though weak in numbers was not without power and influence he had trained round him a devoted band who idolized his genius and cherished his doctrines his pupils had been appointed to several of the principal professorships in italy the enemies of the religion were on occasion united with christian philosopher and there were even in these days many princes and nobles who had felt the inconvenience of ecclesiastical jurisdiction and who secretly abated galileo in his crusade against established errors although these two parties had been long dreading each other's powers and reconnoitring each other's positions yet we cannot directly determine which of them hoisted the first signal for war the church party particularly its highest dignitaries were certainly disposed to rest on the defensive flanked on one side by the logic of the schools and on the other by the popular interpretation of the scripture and backed by the strong arm of the civil power they were not disposed to interfere with the prosecution of science however much they had dreaded its influence the philosophers on the contrary united the zeal of innovators with that firmness of purpose which truth alone can inspire victorious in every contest they were flushed with success and they panted for a struggle in which they knew they must triumph in the state of warlike preparation galileo addressed a letter in sixteen thirteen to his friend and pupil the abbe castelli the object of which was to prove that the scriptures were not intended to teach us science and philosophy hence he inferred that the language employed in the sacred volume is reference to such subjects should be interpreted only in its common acceptation and that it was in reality as difficult to reconcile the ptolemaic as the copernican system to the expressions which occur in bible a demonstration was about this time made by the opposite party in the person of cascini a dominican friar who made a personal attack upon galileo from the pulpit this violent ecclesiastic ridiculed the astronomer and his followers by addressing them sarcastically in the sacred language of the scripture ye men of galilee why stand ye here looking up into the heaven but this species of warfare was disapproved of even by the church and luigi marafi the general of the dominicans not only apologized to galileo who had transmitted to him a formal complaint against cascini but expressed the acuteness of his own feelings of being implicated in the brutal conduct of thirty or forty thousand monks from the character of cascini and the part which he afterwards played in the persecution of galileo we can scarcely avoid the opinion that his attack from the pulpit was intended as a snare for the unwary philosopher it roused galileo from his wonted caution and stimulated no doubt by the nature of the answer which he received from the marafi he published a long letter of seventy pages defending and illustrating his former views respecting the influence of the scriptural language on the two contending systems as if to give the impress of royal authority to his own new appeal he addressed it to christian grand duchess of tuscany the mother of cosmo and in this form it seems to have excited a new interest as if it had expressed the opinion of a grand ducal family these external circumstances gave additional weight to the powerful and unanswerable reasoning 
which this letter contains and it was scarcely possible that any man possessed of a sound mind and willing to learn the truth should refuse his assent to the judicious view of our author he expresses belief that the scriptures were designed to instruct mankind respecting their salvation and that the faculties of our mind were given to us for the purpose of investigating the phenomena of nature he considers scripture and nature as proceeding from the same divine author and therefore incapable of speaking a different language and he points out the absurdity of supposing that professors of astronomy will shut their eyes to the phenomena which they discover in the heavens or will refuse to believe those deductions of reason which appeal to their judgment with all the power of demonstration he supports these views by quotations from ancient fathers and he refers to the dedication of copernicus's own work to the roman pontiff paul iii as a proof that the pope himself did not regard the new system of world as hostile to the sacred writings copernicus on the contrary tells his holiness that the reason for inscribing to him his new system was that the authority of pontiff might put to silence calumnies of some individuals who attack it by arguments drawn from the passages of scripture twisted for their own purpose it was in vain to meet such reasoning by other weapons than those of civil power the enemies of galileo saw that they must crush the dangerous innovation or allow its fullest scope and they determined upon their appeal to the inquisition lorini a monk of dominican order had already denounced to this body of galileo's letter to castelli and cascini bribed by mastership of the convent of samari of minerva was invited to settle at rome for the purpose of embodying the evidence against galileo though these plans had been carried on in secret yet galileo's suspicions were excited and he obtained leave from cosmo to go to rome about the end of sixteen fifteen here he was lodged in the palace of the grand duke's ambassador and kept up a constant correspondence with the family of his patron at florence but in the midst of this external splendour he was summoned before the inquisition to answer for the heretical doctrines which he had published he was charged with maintaining the motion of the earth and the stability of the sun with teaching this doctrine to his pupils with corresponding on the subject with several german mathematicians and with having published it and attempted to reconcile it to the scripture in his letters to mark welser in sixteen hundred and twelve the inquisition assembled to consider these charges on the twenty fifth of february sixteen fifteen and it was decreed that galileo should be enjoined by cardinal bellarmine to renounce the obnoxious doctrines and to pledge himself that he would neither teach defend nor publish them in future in the event of his refusing to acquiesce in this sentence it was decreed that he should be thrown into prison galileo did not hesitate to yield to this injunction on the day following the twenty sixth of february he appeared before the cardinal bellarmine to renounce his heretical opinions and having declared that he had abandoned the doctrine on the earth's motion and would neither defend nor teach it in his conversation or in his writing he was dismissed from the bar of the inquisition having thus disposed of galileo the inquisition conceived the design of condemning the whole system of copernicus as heretical galileo with more hardihood than prudence remained at rome for the purpose of giving his assistance in frustrating this plan but there is reason to think that he injured by his presence the very cause which he meant to support the inquisitors had determined to put down the new opinions they now inserted among the prohibited books galileo's letters to castelli and the grand duchess q 
kepler's epitome on the copernican theory and copernicus's own work on the revolutions of the heavenly bodies notwithstanding these proceedings galileo had an audience of the pope paul v in march sixteen sixteen he was received very graciously and spent nearly an hour with his holiness when they were about to part the pope assured galileo that the congregation were not disposed to receive upon light grounds any calumnies which might be propagated by his enemies and that as long as he occupied the papal chair he might consider himself as safe these assurances were no doubt founded on the belief that galileo would adhere to his pledges but so bold and inconsiderate was he in the expression of his opinions that even in rome he was continually engaged in controversial discussions the following very interesting account of these disputes is given by curingi in a letter to cardinal dest your eminence would be delighted with galileo if you heard him folding forth as he often does in the midst of fifteen or twenty all violently attacking him sometime in one house sometime in another but he is armed after such fashion that he laughs all of them to scorn and even if the novelty of his opinion prevents entire persuasion he at least convicts of emptiness most of the arguments with which his adversaries endeavoured to overwhelm him he was particularly admirable on monday last in the house of signor frederico gillesri and what especially pleased me was that before replying to the contrary arguments he amplified and enforced them with new grounds of great plausibility so as to leave his adversaries in a more ridiculous plight when he afterwards overturned them all the discovery of jupiter's satellite suggested to galileo a new method of finding the longitude at sea philip third had encouraged astronomers to direct their attention to this problem by offering a reward for its solution and in those days when new discoveries in science were sometimes rejected as injurious to mankind it was no common event to see a powerful sovereign courting the assistance of astronomers in promoting the commercial interests of this empire galileo seems to have regarded the solution of this problem as an object worthy of his ambition and he no doubt anticipated the triumph which he would obtain over his enemies in the medician stars which they are treated with such contempt could be made subservient to the great interests of mankind during his residence at rome in sixteen fifteen and sixteen sixteen galileo had communicated his views on the subject to comte de limos the viceroy of naples who had presided over the council of the spanish indies this nobleman advised him to apply to the spanish minister the duke of lerma and through the influence of the grand duke cosmo his ambassador at the court of madrid was engaged to manage the affair the anxiety of galileo on the subject was singularly great he assured the tuscan ambassador that in the order to accomplish this object he was ready to leave all his comforts his country his friends and his family to cross over into spain and to stay as long as he might want it at seville or at lisbon or wherever it might be convenient to communicate a knowledge of this method the lethargy of the spanish court seems to have increased the enthusiasm of galileo and though the negotiations were occasionally revived for ten or twelve years yet no steps were taken to bring them to a close the strange procrastination has been generally ascribed to jealousy or indifference on the part of spain but nelly one of galileo's biographers declares on the authority of florentine records that cosmo had privately requested from the government the privilege of sending annually to spanish indies two legon merchantmen free of duty as a compensation for the loss of galileo the failure of this negotiation might have been the source of extreme mortification to high spirit and sanguine temperament of galileo
he had calculated however too securely on his means of putting the new method to a successful trial the great imperfection of timekeepers of that day and the want of proper telescopes would have baffled him in all his efforts and he would have been subject to a more serious mortification from the failure and rejection of his plan than that which he actually experienced from the avarice of his patron or the indifference of spain even in present day no telescope has been invented which is capable of observing at sea the eclipses of jupiter's satellites and though this method of finding the longitude was great advantage on shore yet it has been completely abandoned at sea and superseded by easier and more correct methods in the year sixteen eighteen when no fewer than three comets visited our system and attracted attention of all astronomers of europe galileo was unfortunately confined to his bed by a severe illness but though he was unable to make single observation upon these remarkable bodies he contrived to involve himself in controversies which they occasioned marco guiducci an astronomer of florence and a friend of galileo had delivered a discourse on comets before the florentine academy the heads of this discourse which was published in sixteen nineteen were supposed to have been communicated to him by galileo and this seems to have been universally admitted during the controversy to which it gave rise the opinion maintained in this treatise that comets are nothing but meteors which occasionally appear in our atmosphere like halos and rainbows savours so little of the sagacity of galileo that we should be disposed to question his paternity his inability to partake in general interest which these comets excited and to employ his powerful telescope in observing their phenomena and their movements might have had some slight share in the formation of an opinion which deprived them of their importance as celestial bodies but however this may have been the treatise of guidoshi afforded a favourable point of attack to galileo's enemies and the dangerous task was entrusted to horatio grassi a learned jesuit who in the work entitled the astronomical and philosophical balance criticised the discourse on comets under the feigned name of loterio sarsi galileo replied to this attack in a volume entitled il sagittor or the assayer which owing to the state of his health was not published till the autumn of sixteen twenty three this work was written in the form of a letter to virgino cesarini a member of the lyncian academy and master of the chamber of urban eighth who had ascended the papal throne it was dedicated to the pontiff himself and has been long celebrated among literary men for the beauty of its language though it is doubtless one of the least important of galileo's writing End of chapter four read by lambda